Stories of Communism 26, The Communist Patriarchy. Welcome to Stories of Communism, the podcast where we review and discuss the first-hand testimony of those who lived through the horrors of communism over the past century. This is Eric Seligman, your co-host, along with Manuel Castaneda, recording from the suburbs of Portland, Oregon. This month we have another interview with Florida acting coach Lilia Slavova. Lilia was a successful actress in Bulgaria in the 1980s, until she and her family fled to the West, eventually settling in the U.S. Her story reveals a lot about the struggles of growing up as a young woman in that environment. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me, and I hope I can be of um, help with my stories. Yeah, yeah. So why don't we uh, go ahead and uh, get started? So, um, yeah, so maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about um, where and in what time period you grew up and what life was like there. Okay, I was born in Bulgaria, Sofia, which is the capital of Bulgaria, very many, many years ago during the communism. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I have been um, raised by intellectual family, both lawyer and engineer, and the reason I'm starting this explaining is because both my mother and my father came actually from anti-communist families, and that is going to unfold within the story what happens um, when the communism came in my country. Both were adults, and uh, both already had different beliefs, and once the communism came, both actually have suffered great repression from the Foreign Communist Party. And my actually my grandfather was put in the very famous labor camp in Belen, and my father was in jail. When I was born and grew up, I actually grew up in the 50s and 60s when it was so-called the idealistic times in Bulgaria. I study uh, acting. This was my dream, and I have master's degree uh, in um, acting, as I was a, let's say, prominent Bulgarian actress. And um, it turned out my life was um, an interesting, had interesting turns and and um, ups and downs, and I end up escaping from that idealistic communist regime a uh, few years after my sister escaped to the United States of America. And that's kind of the short part of the beginning of the journey. <laughs> that I've been here in this country since 1986. 1986 was really the very high times where communism really was started to shake tremendously, but it had a lot of uh, bad influences on our lives. Hmm. So does that mean that you believe that your life in general was better than most people because of your background, your parents' professions and your It was somehow, profession? yes, somehow was better and somehow was very, very interesting in the meaning that I was one of those families that um, before I was born, of course, my both mother and father lived in very prominent family. My mother actually was raised by Russian governess. She was speaking French. Her 
her parents were very well educated. And once the communists came, that was taken away. And her father, my grandfather, was put in labor camp. Everything was taken away from, from that family. Still, my mother and her two sisters managed to have very high education and managed to kind of adjust life without affecting us. Us. The same with my father, who was put in jail, because my father was, I have to make sure, sure clear, he was 22 years senior than my mother, that he actually suffered a lot more even than that. Um, but they managed to, because of their profession, my father built one of the biggest dams in Bulgaria. He was one of the most prominent engineers. He did not want to be much within the politics once he, the communism came. After the jail, he was like, okay, I'm an engineer, let me do my job. My mother was a lawyer, but he, she chose um, to do uh, social law. That means that she was working as a social worker. And both chose not to be involved in politics. Both were, them, uh, were not members of the party. And mm. we, with my sister, we chose to be in arts because we knew that, luckily, we had some talents of... Obviously, she, my sister is a very prominent musician in Munich, and I'm still working what I do. I'm a member here of the unions. I work as an actor, as an acting coach, uh, done a lot of acting work here as a resident director, started three theaters in Washington, D.C. That means that our upbringing and our education gave us the opportunities not to be entangled with this. And there are other factors besides the fact that my parents chose not to be. Though we were poor, even though with those professions, we were very poor. We did not have car. We did not have an apartment that belonged to us because we're not members of the party. And hmm. um, there were, you know, and the, the people who actually came from different backgrounds, the, the peasants, the the suffering people of the future communists, the ones that came and took over, those were the uneducated people. Those were the ones that actually, as you know, the statistics, 100 million people actually died during the communism. I'm including, you know, all the socialistic countries because of, of, of building socialism. This is 100 million people die. That, I don't know which story to, to go with. <laughs> So, yeah, so, I mean, I think you, you mentioned that your father ended up spending time in jail. Um, how old were you when yes. that happened, and how did that uh, affect um, you when it was happening? Um, actually, I was in, I, I believe, I was in elementary school, and as I said, I was very, I mean, I was explained from, from my grandparents and parents what the situation was, and uh, I knew my father was close to the the. the the Tsar, our Tsar before that, and I knew there was nothing wrong with that, but I understood the situation. When you are 10 years old, you can't do much. You just go on with your life. You become, you know, involved with activities and you try not to think about it. Um, I was not harassed by any meanings by any of the kids. That was like a hush-hush situation during that time. Uh, that I wouldn't say that affected me tremendously. What started affecting me when uh, my father's friends, when I was like 16, 17 years old, started going to jail, not only his friends, but people I know, 
going to jail by just saying a joke against our then Prime Minister Fyodor Zhivkov. And that started affecting me tremendously. My sister, who was five years uh, older than me, that she already knew that that, that that life for her was not acceptable. And luckily, as a musician, she managed to leave the country and never come back. But those are the things, those are the times that we knew that something was really, really wrong with the system. Yeah. Uh, so, so you said that you managed to become a successful actress um, despite yes. all this. So how did that happen? Yes. Um, well, I, since I was a little girl, actually, as I said, because of, of my parents knew that our chance of, of doing something maybe more within being members of the, the, the party, they would have we would have not become ever members of the party. Nobody would ever accept us because of our backgrounds of parents and grandparents. That's why they kind of push us towards art. They, they introduced us very early and they knew that that's kind of an outlet uh, that eventually will keep us away, being a little bit more independent, being a little bit more uh, relying on our talent than anything else. And that was kind of one outlet for us. And we understood, we, we actually, because of my parents, we were able to read secretly a little bit more literature that was coming uh, from the West because it was sneaked in. We were able to very early understand that things that are in our family should stay in our family. We kept secrets, simple as that. We, we had one face outside and the other face at home. We talked against the Communist Party. We were laughing at at the at the uh, speeches our Prime Minister was giving, but but it had to stay home. And that for a little kid is really really hard. And luckily, luckily for us, uh, both um, we never got in trouble for slipping some little secrets from our family outside. But we had to be very very careful. And for me particularly, uh, I got lucky um, that I got very, and I'm saying this, <laughs> I know it sounds strange, but I got lucky that I fell in love with a colleague actor who was already a student, who was also coming from the same background. And uh, getting early married sort of protected me from everything else, what was happening out there for my colleague actress, uh, for the young women in Bulgaria. And I know the topic today is sexual harassment and, and that, you know, that I, I can tell a little bit more about it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm curious it, to hear about it, that. Yeah, uh, can you, can you, ex yes, exactly. Can you um, share with us a little bit more about that? Because we're, uh, our understanding is that those um, governments that, tend to have a lot of power over the people. They tend to abuse women a lot too, and basically use women as as they wish. Um, oh, absolutely. Um, and I will go back to from the reasons why we were referred to communist countries as a totalitarian was because the state wanted to control every aspect of our existence. Everything from the way we dressed um, everything to the way we wear our hair, everything to the way we behave. 
if uh, in the 70s we would have, I don't know if you've ever heard about it, if we had our skirts and a certain um, above the knee centimeters or inches, um, they would put stamps on our knees. That way we had to cover the knees. I don't know if you've ever heard about such a thing. Um, that like tattoos women, or have they? Yes, they would, they would put a stamp above your knee um, if, if your skirt is very, very short. And, um, and the women that uh, would do this, especially the women over 18 that would do this, um, they would be actually arrested for prostitution, even they were not. Even they were a little bit more freely um, wearing Dressing. something from the, from the West, a little bit more cleavage, a shorter skirt, yes. And poor women, um, what happened to, and I do know quite a few of them, um, some of them are my colleagues. Uh, they were put in labor camps in the town of Lovich. There was the very scary female, um, actually it was not a camp, this was uh, a prison. And in the early 50s, they would be sent to Bellina. This um, Bellina was an island where my grandfather was. Women with behavior like this, a little bit more free behavior. And it, it didn't have to be proven what what was behind that skirt for them that was it that was prostitution that was you know misbehavior but let me explain something a lot of those women first were you know first were questioned by the police by the militia then right and the moment you end up in the militia with this short skirt immediately you get fondled their hands are under the skirts you get attacked you get raped and then if you resist, that sends you faster. If you, for whatever reason, you agree to give them sexual favors, you may go back in the, you know, in the streets without the stem or with the stems, but with, with the longer skirt. Those were measurements in the early 60s that were horrible. The same with men that would have a longer hair, actually. That was, uh, <laughs> that was no, no. They'll make them cut the hair and or send them, they could call them hooligans. They can get arrested for just wearing long hair. Hmm. Yeah. So sounds sounds to me like the Beatles would not have made it very well there. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And, and, and again, those times really fast were changing. Those were like, there would be a few years like this, then, then the international organizations will get involved that they will kind of, uh, loosen the rules and then from one thing goes to another extreme um unfortunately uh those are the times where idealistically uh, in the beginning of the 60s uh, our family union was this strong union between woman and man um, there were a lot of romantic stories and romantic life and we had a lot of benefits actually living in a socialistic world world in a way but um, but those are the same times where uh, abortion was not allowed, pornography was not allowed. Oh my God! I if I I, I was an ath also an athlete in the very early um, of when I was 13, 14 years old, and I went for international competition in Serbia. Um, actually, it was Hrvatsko then, and um, and somebody gave me a magazine with pornographic pictures in it and 
immediately the magazine was taking out me and I had to go and explain how did they get it. I said, I did not know. I didn't even open the magazine. But I guess the propaganda was trying to come to my country. I could have been in bigger trouble. It was I was over, say, 16 or 17 years old. Luckily, I was only 13. Pornography was absolutely not, you know, permitted or prostitution. If they were prostitutes, and they were, they were actually serving our government because they were actually um, telling what's happening, that they were serving our Bulgarian prostitutes at the times up to uh, almost the end of communism, actually were working for our secret service in order to to be with foreigners and, and bring information or take information or whatever. Not that we didn't have prostitutes, we did, and a lot. <laughs> Uh, so when when did you get when did you guys get out? Was it during communism or after? The no, no, I, I did escape during communism, and my story gets more interesting because I actually divorced my first husband, uh, and that was because of the times and the reason I divorced him. The <laughs> Our morals were really, really very low in my country, almost like a free love with everybody, for everybody. Everybody was with everybody. Those were really the 80s was, okay, we were affected by the West. The rules were a little bit loose. And I was telling you how the country was going from, it was almost acceptable everybody to sleep with everybody. And um, mm -hmm. it was a little bit too much for me. I divorced him and I had a couple of dark times when I was actually harassed because while I was married to him, I had a protector, nobody dared, nobody had any, I had hints, but they were kind of, ah. but the moment I divorced, it was overnight a different situation. And then I, I, I was raped and it was my fault. And um, I had to go through a lot of uh, harassment, sexual harassment. Luckily, I was a very stable actress that nothing, I didn't have to do anything or any sexual favors um, because I, I was already established and I had the power. I personally had the power. I was the president of our, our young union of, of actors um, that I could have gotten to the level go and tell on those people. But then I met a very interesting man who was a party, you know, communist of the party. He was our very high level official who the night I met through a friend of my father, and I've heard things I've never heard in my life and changed my life overnight. And a year later, I got in a military plane and I escaped the country. At, uh, <laughs> you, did, did you, how did you escape through uh, Germany? Uh, yes, through Germany, through Frankfurt. Um, it turns out uh, my um, lovely husband, who became a husband now, he's uh, my late husband, he passed away two years ago. It turned out he was a true believer communist member of the party who slowly in the 70s started to lose belief in what was happening. And in the 80s, he turned against the Communist Party and he started working for the Americans, something that he's been doing for quite a few years. I'm very proud to say because he was one of the people that helped actually our system to fall apart. And 
he trusted in me. Um, we managed to escape. It was a couple of harsh years when we left one child behind, escaped with one. I was pregnant with the other. But just for our luck, three years later, the communism, almost four, um, failed that we are able to, um, you know, to get the family together and uh, establish ourselves here. But yes, I escaped in a military plane. Actually, it was a cargo plane carrying planes. <laughs> so, so what, what mm. happened to the child you left behind? How old were they at the time? Um, my son was at this point um, seven years old when I left him. I left him with my parents uh, because I had the full custody of the child. I told you my ex-husband, who is still a friend, um, just loved a lot of women at the same time. <laughs> I would put it this way. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, but uh, because I had full custody, I, um, I left him with my parents. Being promised by the American government um, that through Red, Red Cross, through other international organizations, I'll have him back. Unfortunately, what happened, and it was supposed to be very, very fast. Unfortunately, what happened, uh, our government pressed my ex-husband who at first was, you know, hey, it's her child, let her, you know, let her have it. I, I have not been with this child, she took care of him, but um, they pressed him not to do it. And, and that's another sad story. If he would have not done it, he would have gotten in jail. Then the kid would have not have no mother, no father. Then he sued me, he took over the custody of my child, but we're talking friendly on the phone, we knew. My husband then was explaining what could eventually happen, which it did happen. Three days before 10th of November 1990, uh, 1989, he won the custody. Three days later, he called me and said, okay, now you can have your kid back. It was very hard four years. Actually, since I was pregnant, I gave birth to three months earlier to a preemie baby that barely survived. Luckily, she's a... Uh, beautiful young woman now, but I, I took it not very well. I immediately got sick of cancer right after that. But life's going on. I'm here. My daughter is alive. My son is here. All of them very, <laughs> very successful business people. But I took chance. I took chance. Um, my son and uh, my husband, late husband, had a death sentence in Bulgaria. I managed to go back three years ago. Uh, and opened his dossier, and I found out what you know what was happening while we were not there. Very interesting facts of um, how our escape was perceived and what happened. Um, interesting story on that behalf. Okay. <laughs> so, so your your kids did they grow up very anti-communism, or they think communism is harmless? Uh, my son, who, as I said, he was only up to 11 years old. He was 11 when he moved. He, again, because his father was not a member of the Communist Party, his grandparents were not, his stepmother was not, everybody around him was not brainwashing him into communism. The opposite. They were explaining. He was very young to understand again, like I didn't understand anything at 10 years old. Um, we were kind of uh, reciting, you know, uh, 
poems and we were giving some ties, you know, like the scouts, but that's about it. It, it they can't do much more to you when you're 10 years old. Um, that luckily, you know, they're, you know <laughs> he's perfectly grew up actually in a, you know, capitalistic system, but he, they understand, they, they do know. Um, my, my daughter who was born here, um, she, she constantly asks me, she, you know, I protect her from certain stories, but mostly she knows. And from her father, who has fascinating stories about communism and, 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 the, and those different, um, different changes within the communism from 1944 to 50s, then to 57, to, because there are certain, you know, different, um, times during the communism, things were completely going from black to white and, and back, um, and especially in Bulgaria. So can we go back to something you mentioned earlier? Um, I'm just curious to hear more because you mentioned because you got married very early in your acting career, that sort of protected you from some level of sexual harassment. Yeah. I'm curious yes. what was happening to the other young actresses in your age group who were starting out at the same time? Um, what was happening actually, um, I would say <laughs> in order to get a role, you sleep with the director. In order to be accepted in a theater, you sleep with the, the director of the theater. And it was not, it was not as much in, 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 in my time, especially, it was not as much as in any other profession, actually. We were because it's a profession, as you know, here with Hollywood, we're the profession, everybody talks about it, those people, the, the truth is, we had less sexual harassment, less stories to tell that people in the factories, people in, in the other workplaces, in offices that were more horrific stories than ours. There, the women, because in, in, in our business, if you have a talent, you have a talent. If you're completely talentless, no matter who you speak, sleep with, they may put you on salary, but you're not going to work, right? Mm -hmm. But the, the, that's why <laughs> it's, you know, yes, we're perceived almost like, it was almost like our profession at one point, I was afraid to say that I was, a, I was an actress. It was considered like, oh, oh, you're a prostitute. That's how it was at one point looked at. Wow. But, but, but it was a relatively short time. We... As I said, more harassment happened in in the in the places where, like simple factories, um, agricultural places. That was horrible. I I continue to read stories uh, that come out and books that come out. What was happening in small villages? It was it was scary. It was just simply scary. It's still I I, I did not know about it living there. More so than more. What, what sort of things were happening to factory workers? Oh my God, this this is something, and I do know from a friend of mine who actually became a very successful actress. She, uh, her father and mother worked at the factory, and uh, it was a factory that was assembling. Uh, actually, this was a factory in Kaz the town of Kazanluk is assembling weapons, and her father and father uh, mother were working at the factory, and there was a law. Um, I have to 
kind of clarify, if you finish high school and you try to enter the School of Performing Arts, which is only one, it's a university, and out of 3,000 people except only six women, if you don't get it, you have to go back and work eight months somewhere, somewhere. Um, I was not accepted the first year because of my parents, because I was put into the, uh, because I've kind of digressed a little bit here, because when you get to the university, you have to get an exams. But the people who belong to the party or people whose parents belong to the party, they had the privilege to get in first. And I got in the first year after college, but when I actually, when they got the list of people, they put me under the waiting list because of the fact that my parents were in, you know, um, not members of the party. Then I had to go and work eight months. I, I chose to be a, a teacher, um, school teacher, which I did with connections because I had zero degree to be that, but my mother and her connection. Connections were big time in, in communist <laughs> countries. But yes, but I, you know, this teaching job actually helped me. And now I'm a teacher and that, that was really very beneficial for me that I cannot complain what happened to me. But this girl whose parents, you know, she lives in a little town. There were not many works. She thought that she's protected by the fact that she's going in the factory where her parents work since she was not accepted the first year in our um, university. And um, she said in the first day she went to work the director of the factory said and she's 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 gorgeous beautiful girl and he says i don't have a work for you i know your parents work here but i may find some and he asked for a sexual favor she refused and with again her parents help her to get the job almost like i, I don't recall the story very well but i remember almost like a week or Less than a week later, they call her that she did not do something right. And he literally, the director rapes her in, in his cabin. And now she's ashamed. She can't, you know, she felt bad. She felt dirty. She could not go and tell her parents now. She stayed on a job. Um, she said at one point she really wanted to get bullets and go and kill herself or kill the director. And that's a horrific story. But... The, the idea that she wants to be an actress, the idea she wants to get out of this world kind of kept her. Um, and for her, what happened is at that particular time, she figured out that she was adopted. That's another horrific story. And this adoption um, came kind of, uh, while she figured it out, she got, she got adopted. She started being raped by her own cousins. We're not obviously cousins. And it was like a, a snowball effect for this kid um, that I don't know how she managed life after that, but she had to have nine abortions being raped so many times, nine abortions right. for a young lady. And they were all non, um, not allowed actually in my country that she had to do them wow. secretly, mm -hmm. that she had to sleep with the doctor to have the nine abortions. And that's a story firsthand that I know. Oh my goodness. This is mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah, this you're very welcome. 
I hope you enjoyed that interview. As always, you can find more information linked in our show notes at storiesofcommunism.com. And this has been your Story of Communism for today.